0: Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Commissario Tequila, the official tequila of the JT The Brick Show.
1: It's time for JT The Brick. Welcome in to our brand new coverage. We need to come in hardcore. Raiders got a bunch of guys. Back in the old days, they had legends. He gets the Raiders. He understands the Raiders. He's going to be a great Raider. Well, show it to me. No penalties. The only holes that I see on this team are linebackers. There's going to be some moments this year that are going to be top sledding. Okay, one of them could be now. I got it all for you. Keep it PG. No, never happened. I'd like to get this show going the way I know how to get the show going. Our standard is high. We coming. It's time to fire this thing up. What the hell are you listening to? Who are you getting this garbage from?
2: J.T. The Brick.
1: Hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We are ready to rock. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Are you with me? One guy kind of throws the fuel into the fire. So sound off like you got up here and get going. Use the phone like a weapon. We need to leave a wake of destruction. That's all I had this week for you. And now, Raider Nation unite. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT, I'm inside Raiders headquarters today, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, coming off the loss to the Chargers. It's always a pleasure to welcome Sam Munson. Joins us every week from Pro Football Focus. And Sam, I want to begin with how you took in the Taylor Swift-Mahomes game. Zach Wilson bouncing back. I love Collinsworth, as you do. He gave him a lot of praise. Give me a couple of big takeaways on Monday night in Kansas City's win.
2: Yeah, I mean, a a very bizarre game. Um, That's now the second elite quarterback in four weeks that the Jets defense has seen have a a minor implosion against. Josh Allen, obviously, in the the first weekend of the game, had an absolute nightmare, and that was the reason the Jets won. And then Patrick Mahomes made more mistakes with the ball and, and big mistakes with the ball in that game than really any game I can remember him doing, only he was able to make just enough plays at the end, usually with his legs to pull pull it out of the fire and get the win and, and move on anyway. So, um, And then on top of that, you have Zach Wilson, who nobody had any faith in doing anything, actually had one of the best games of his career and really was the better quarterback in the game.
1: Mm-hmm. So what does that do for Wilson now? I was a big believer in Wentz or Jacoby Brissett or someone else. I'll live with that. I mean, I understand why they wanted to groom him to come back again. No one expected the injury, but... What does this do? Does this give them a false sense of hope that the kid's going to play better in the coming weeks, even with the schedule in front of them? they got a winnable game coming up after this performance.
2: They do, yeah. And I guess it's an opportunity for him to get a bit of confidence. And who knows how much of his poor play at the moment has been you know, a completely shattered confidence level, uh, given his struggles early in his career, given losing the job to Aaron Rodgers and all those things. I mean, this is really the first good day that Zach Wilson has had in a long, long time in the NFL, and maybe that will help him get back on the right track, but ultimately it's also a small sample size, you know, and I think sadly or unfortunately for for Jets fans, the chances are Zach Wilson goes back to being more of the player that we expected to see last night rather than the one that we did see from the majority of the game.
1: Sam Munson's our guest. Sam, how big of a struggle has this been for Bryce Young? compared to C.J. Stroud and some of the other quarterbacks taken early. What does the tape say of the Panthers' young quarterback?
2: I think it's been a significant struggle for him. I think what we're seeing is the potential folly of trading up you know a huge amount to get that number one guy at the top of the draft. Carolina went after it. They, they went aggressive. They traded from number nine to number one overall, and they had to give up a lot to do it and so that means that Bryce Young just doesn't have an awful lot of talent around him. You know, the, the number one receiver in, ca- in Carolina is now playing for Chicago, and Bryce Young doesn't really have many places to go with the ball. His offensive line is, is one of the worst in the league through the first few weeks as well. You put those two things together along with a young quarterback that's trying to, to feel his way into the NFL, and you have a recipe, I think, for some pretty rough play. Um, I think Andy Dalton showed us in his one start, how that offense could function, but Andy Dalton's got, you know, 15 years of veteran savvy under his belt, and, and, and Bryce Young doesn't. So I think this could be a, a rough year for Bryce Young, and they need to get some talent around him to really find out what he can do.
1: Sam Monson is our guest, pro football focus. So, Sam, I watched, obviously, the Raiders at Chargers. Chargers left the door open. Raiders shut out Justin Herbert in the second half of that game as he was rolling early and Aiden O'Connell. So let me get your assessment of both quarterbacks. How do you think Aiden O'Connell did? Matt got him six times and three turnovers. Did you see any composure there from him? And Justin Herbert going forward with that offense, any concerns with him with the injury?
2: I mean, the injury is definitely a potential worry for him. That was a, that was a big kind of <laughs> a bit of scaffolding on his hand. It looked like a pretty rough injury for, for Justin Herbert. And They still had him out there exposed to sacks and hits and all kinds of things so hopefully they're able to patch that back together put a cast on it whatever they need to do and he will be okay um he didn't play great i still think he played enough well enough to win aiden o'connell i think just sort of showed you the difference between preseason and the regular Mm. season um he wasn't catastrophic in in that game he didn't maybe make as, as many big plays as we saw from him in preseason and he made some more mistakes but they were generally more of the not really understanding the dynamics in the pocket, how long he can hold the ball, um, how he needs to manipulate that and get rid of the ball, than they were just terrible misreads of coverage or putting the ball in ridiculous places and, and that kind of thing. I, he you know Overall, it's difficult to say that he played well, but mm-hmm. I don't think he was a disaster in a way that some other young quarterbacks have been in, in their first start.
1: That's really good analysis. That's exactly what a lot of people are seeing who watch the game closely. A lot of people nationally don't watch the games as closely as you. Really good there. As we wrap this up, Cincinnati, I think they're in a boatload of trouble here, getting boat raced to Tennessee 27-3. to They're at Arizona. Let's give them that win if Burrow. I think the injuries could be mounting. Then they get Seattle in the bye week. So this is an important run here for them to get to 500. If they win in Arizona and beat Seattle at home, they're three and three going into the bye before at San Francisco and Buffalo and then at Baltimore. So this is, seems like it's a tipping point moment for Cincinnati to take care of these two games, get a break for burrow to see if he can be healthy for later in the season. How do you see it?
2: Yeah, I think they're in a really tough spot. Um, the burrow injury isn't going away anytime soon. This is the kind of thing that's going to linger for a while. And, every time he plays on it, I think at the minimum, it's not helping it get any better and it's potentially aggravating it and making it worse. I think they know that and they have known that all the way along, but that 0-2 start, it didn't give them a choice, really. Their options were rest Joe Burrow for you know a month, maybe more, get that calf 100% right and risk already being out of the playoffs and being done by the time he's healthy, or you try and get through with a... An, uh, an injured Joe Burrow, a hampered Joe Burrow, 80% of Joe Burrow, and hope that that's enough to get you enough wins and, and somehow you can get through to the end of the season and still be in contention. But I think we're seeing that against a good team or a good defense, it's just not the case. And this offense right now of, you know, he had an average depth of target against Tennessee of 4.5 yards, which is mm-hmm. two yards lower than a problematic number. I mean, it's just not a workable offense if that's what it's going to look like. So I don't think that they have a good option. You know, either playing Burrow the way he currently is is not good right now, but equally his backup is Jake Browning. and I don't think there's any real chance that that succeeds over any number of games either.
1: Sam, last one. I saw some concern in the body language and just the voice of Dennis Allen after the loss for New Orleans, losing two in a row. Uh, Derek Carr tries to play through that shoulder injury there I thought they were easily going to win the South by like two or three games over Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Carolina is a mess. Tampa Bay is now three and one. I still got new Orleans eventually winning the South. The car's healthy, but that's going to be tough sledding, man. These are games that they're losing that they should have won. What are you sensing is happening with new Orleans as we speak?
2: Yeah. And Tampa Bay, um, might be generating a bit of momentum off the back of that as well. You know, the Bucks are looking like they could be their primary challenger for that division, and they just dropped one to them, so it's a sort of double blow for them. I think they, un- I think they realized they made a mistake in putting Derek Carr out there with the injured shoulder. Mm. Um, I know it didn't, it doesn't help the argument when Jameis Winston comes in and on one play just kind of blindly throws an interception late in the game. But I think Jameis Winston healthy is a better option than Derek Carr working mm. through. The shoulder injury in that game, um, and they should have given that start to Jameis Winston. I also think there's an argument that Winston might be a better fit with this offense anyway, given the receiving talent that they have and the, the weaponry that they can deploy. Um, but I, I think that they realized after that game or during that game that they asked too much of Derek Carr, and that just didn't put them in a good position to win that game.
1: Yeah, it's a great point, too. I think Jameis is a hell of a player if he was in a different scenario and had another opportunity to play here. Sam, always appreciate you on Monday. Thanks so much for your time. I know it's critical here. Thank you. Anytime. Take it easy. You got it, Sam Munson, pro football focus. You know what he just said at the end in regards to Derek Carr? Jameis Winston might be a better fit. I won't go there. I think Derek, and we know Derek well here, I think he's going to have a good run with New Orleans, but these last couple of weeks... New Orleans went from being world beaters at 2-0. Now they have a minus 14 differential. Okay, they've scored 76. Excuse me, they scored 62, given up 76. They've lost two in a row. Then NFC South Carolina is 0-4. New Orleans has lost two in a row, and so has Atlanta. Remember, good old Atlanta started off 2-0 and came back to earth. And Tampa Bay has a one-game lead over Atlanta with a 3-1 record. Uh, Detroit leads the NFC uh, NFC North with a 3 and 1 record. Uh, Green Bay is 2 and 2. We get Green Bay on Monday night. Minnesota critical win, they're 1 and 3. I don't think they're dead yet. Minnesota's a good team. We're going to see them at Allegiant Stadium and they're coming uh, later in the year. Chicago's 0 and 4. Raiders get Chicago in 3 weeks. Arizona's 1 and 3. The Rams are 2 and 2. San Francisco is 4 and 0. If Seattle wins tonight, tonight's an important game with the Giants. If Seattle wins, they're three and one, only one game behind the undefeated 49ers. If the Giants win tonight, Seattle's two and two, and the Niners start running away with that division. A uh, Buffalo and Miami both three and one, dominant performance by Buffalo, putting up those points and playing well. Baltimore three and one on top of Pittsburgh two and one. Excuse me, two and two as Pittsburgh got beaten badly, I thought, beaten badly from the highlights I saw from Houston. Cincinnati's on life support and the AFC South, every team's two and two. That's what I wanted the Raiders to be. I just wanted the Raiders to be two and bleep and two. Indy, Houston, Jacksonville, and Tennessee are all two and two in the South. That'd be a great place for the Raiders to be now, but the Raiders are staring at one and three with an opportunity that they have to jump back and win. Raider Man, gonna get him up here and get his analysis as the Raiders have lost three in a row. Go ahead.
0: Oh, man, JT, I'm recuperating. What's going on to you, brother, man? And You know, this is so tough for me because as much as I, I just love the pure sport of football, I just love seeing my Raiders play it, man. And I'm not into this whole taking blame shots at everybody. It's kind of like a new wave of, new wave of radio for me. I, I try to avoid it. But, you know what I'm saying, you got to call what you see. And I, I'm more disappointed than anything. I mean, you know, to be that close after all that adversity that that team You know, withstood. I mean, especially defensively, because the defense takes so much criticism a year in and year out. That's all you hear. And I'm not taking shots at you, but that's all you hear: defense, defense, defense. And these guys aren't even the big side of the coin. You know, these guys are stepping up in some major ways. And even though there's some serious some fallacies out there, like, you know, those drop balls are killing us. You know, we've seen them at the linebacker position. We've seen them at the, the DB position, you know, at safety and at corner. <clears throat> Good to see one-hand merit get one and pull it in. I mean, you see that kid still holding his job one-handed through all the criticism that he takes for all the plays that he don't make. He's made some pretty big plays already this season. Unfortunately, none of them uh, big enough to manifest in the wins. Uh, but, you know, ultimately for me, this game came down to, and I know this kind of takes a dig at the coach, so, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to call for nobody's job and all that. So I'm just calling it like I said as far as a football watch person. I saw a serious lack of, of rookie quarterback game plan support. You know, this kid came out with his hair on fire, and he did his best to step up to the task. But even though San Diego, uh, sorry, L.A. is not the, the the defense that they once were, them professionals out there was hair on fire for real. They were incentivized, and you could tell by Khalil Mack coming out with six sacks, man. That's a, that's freaking unbelievable. I think he came into the game with none, but you know they're gonna come out gaming for us. And mm-hmm. I think that he could have had a little bit of help with some eyes from the outside, giving him some keys on where he could have maybe stabbed these guys where it hurt, and he didn't have to take so many big hits. When it boiled down to that, that last drive in the, in the end, mm-hmm. uh, going into the end zone where we had a chance to tie that game up, I'm really the most disappointed in why we didn't run the ball because in football philosophy, you've got to start burning that clock. I mean, you know, you like two, two and a half minutes now, if nothing else, you got to start making them unasked the timeouts that they got. You got a two-minute warning that you still got to get through. You got you need some time to start developing some game planning. You only need four yards, four and a half yards. Josh Jacobs was averaging four and a half yards yesterday, mm-hmm. and it's just like okay, the running game ain't doing everything that's supposed to be doing. But you mean to tell me that a leader of men can't turn around to everybody in that hell and say, "Who in the hell can't give me four and a half yards right now for this game?" Let's burn this clock. Let's put this six on the board. Let's go get two and walk out of here. We had options. And what we did was we played passive-aggressive, and we got our asses kicked again. And that bothers me because that mm-hmm. screams lack of identity. And you know, you he heard me just all last week. I'm not going to keep riding that horse. I'm not going to keep beating no dead horse. As a fan, yeah, I can only do so much. But what I won't do is be discredited. I know what I see. And if they care about us, if they care, they'll stop blowing us off. I don't need no witness protection plan, man. We're watching this thing real, real close. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to even travel with the team away, so I almost feel like I'm getting away with you know, – I'm not even going through the pain that my brothers right. and sisters going through out there. But I tell you what, we're watching real, real close and we're not turning around. We need this game on Monday night. So whatever it is, let's fix it because we're right. not that far off. Let's turn on the just-win switch. Let's do that, baby. Pride and poise, man. Let's get back to commitment to excellence. Appreciate your time, JT. I just need a little bit of a rant. I'm on yep. about a half-ass schizophrenia over here.
1: That's okay. We got you. Raider man checking in. I go back with him as long as anybody. Appreciate you checking in. From the Bay Area, whenever has to be fixed, better get fixed now. There's no more time to wait. Can't. Can't afford to lose to Green Bay to drop to one and four. Two and three seems really good compared to what we're seeing and what could be. So if you get to the Green Bay win, if the Raiders beat Green Bay, like I expect they will, they're on a short week and they get to see maybe the foe they're most familiar with than anyone for obvious reasons. The Green, Bay, uh, excuse me, the New England Patriots. No team, McDaniel's and Ziegler, no better, not even close than New England. And they beat them last year, and I think they can beat them again. And that would get the Raiders to three and three. Nothing else matters than these next two games. Sending the team off to Chicago. With an opportunity to go above 500. Okay, I'm looking for three in a row. You might think I'm delusional. Hey, there's a lot of people who think worse. So I'm good with that. Well, that's a compliment from some of these knuckleheads I'm dealing with. So if we can get one, I think we can get three. If we don't get the one against Green Bay, it's going to be really tough to see the big picture. Very tough, other than developing players and competing. This is an opportunity to turn the entire season around for a month win a couple of games in a row and play better at home at Allegiant Stadium against two fan bases that have had a lot of success in the history of this league, the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. One had the history back in the day, a lot of it, and one's had the history of the last 20 years. Good test for the Raiders. they got to be up for that. When we come back, Harry Ruiz will join us. Excited for that, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. Also, we're adding another live show. We are going to be live at La Casa Cigars. That's my new cigar spot with Mike and the crew. November 3rd, November 3rd, right at Tivoli Village. Great spot for lunch, cigars, beverages. November 3rd, Friday at La Casa Cigars, my spot in Tivoli Village. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. Oh, the one love of Raisin Canes the Box combo. How about it? Oh, the buttery Texas toast, the lemonade and the iced tea. You love lemonade and iced tea, nowhere better than Raisin canes. Best chicken fingers in town, official chicken fingers of the rebels. How about UNLV football four-and-one? Congratulations to Coach Odom and all the fans who stood by that team. Good start to the season. Harry Ruiz joins us, the Spanish voice of the Raiders. And Harry, am I accurate to say that was your first ever Raider road game that you called at SoFi Stadium?
3: That is correct, JT. The All the road games, we do them from a the studio right there mm-hmm. in Lotus Broadcasting. But uh, my broadcast partner, Maida, and I said, you know what? Screw it. Let's go out to L.A. and let's uh, live that experience. And it was awesome being out there at the tailgates for a little bit over two hours and just hanging out with the Raider Nation and having a good time. It was a maze out there at SoFi Stadium my first time there, but we survived.
1: That's a great moment for you as a a young play-by-play voice and your career's growing to get a chance to call the game at SoFi. You know, it's a marvel just like Allegiant Stadium. What was that like for you, getting the feel of the crowd as you're watching the game live, and it turned out to be very exciting in the second half?
3: It was amazing. I'll, I'll say this. I was shocked. It was really loud. Uh, Of course, Allegiant is very loud, but we are a little bit higher at Allegiant compared to where we were at over at SoFi, in my opinion. So maybe that's why I felt like we were surrounded by even more uh, folks, obviously more capacity out there as well. But it was just um, something that... Uh, it's a new experience. So it was something that I was very happy to live, a new moment, something new that I could chalk up there. And then I can say, back in 2010, I went to my first Raider game in person after living in Mexico for 12 years, and it was Raiders-Chargers in San Diego. And now my first road game uh, working the broadcast in Spanish for the Raiders was also against the Chargers now in L.A., which is my hometown.
1: Fantastic. Really happy for you. So let's get to the game and Aiden O'Connell – I thought it was disappointing. I expected more out of him, but I'm not going to be highly critical because it's his first ever game. Three turnovers and six sacks by Khalil Mack. I mean, who's going to win a game with six sacks from one player? Never. And, and three turnovers and the fumbles that were there. The, the, take us through the interception at the end. That's the one he really wanted back.
3: Yeah, and that's a play call where I was scratching my head, where I looked at the time left at the game, and I was mm. it was first and goal, and I was thinking the best chance of success for the Raiders here is run it. Mm. Worst case scenario, you'll go to the two-minute warning if you don't score a touchdown, and you keep taking time off the clock because you don't want to let Justin Herbert have the ball back and just put this team uh, in field goal range. So it was just... A head-scratcher for me, and at the end of the day, the Raiders, that, that was their one shot to to do it, and uh, now it's turn the page and go to the next part. The turnovers, uh, of course it was disappointing, because JT, the Chargers got 14 points out of those mm-hmm. three turnovers. 14 points and the game-sealing uh, interception. So, once again, giving the ball away, it cost the Raiders very, very hard.
1: Yeah, Harry Ruiz joins us. So, let's get into what the Raiders can build on going into the Green Bay game. The shutout in the second half, Jenkins played a great game. I mean, people oh, yeah. are talking to Eric Allen. He really, that was his best game as a Raider. Max was very active. The only problem that I'm really having trouble with, Harry, is the missed tackles. There were a bunch, especially in the first half that cost them. But I like the scheme overall. It seems like the Raiders, when they had to get stops in the second half at Denver and in Los Angeles against the Chargers, something clicked at halftime with the adjustments.
3: Absolutely, and the team just – they were getting pressure consistently on Justin Herbert in the second half. The cornerbacks were making big plays in key moments. Ja'Korian and David Long in the second half getting stops in third downs. That was definitely something that you can take forward steps on. And also, there were moments where people were – Scratching their heads. We'll go again with the Raiders going for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal and then going for the kickoff field goal again in the same game. This time down by 17, cut the lead to 14, punting the ball in their own half of the field when they could have gone for another field goal. But then at the end of the day, you look at what happened afterwards the defense got stops. Because the defense got stops, then the offense had the opportunity to make this game a close game. And once again, uh, right uh, dr- right before the two-minute warning, the team had the ball with the opportunity to tie the game. That's right now what you can ask for with the team not taking leads, with the team not being consistent. This is the second game in a row, JT, that the Raiders went seven consecutive drives between both of their touchdowns in in a game. It happened against Pittsburgh. It happened against the Chargers. The only difference with the Chargers was that you can sprinkle in that field goal uh, in between those seven mm-hmm. drives where they scored touchdowns. So without con- consistency on offense it's going to be very difficult to take leads early in games and try to conserve them
1: yeah harry the one thing i've gotten wrong and i get plenty of things wrong i'm the first to tell you is i thought they play better i'm not winning or losing you know you play a great game against buffalo you might not win but if you play an above average game against pittsburgh and the chargers you win and i don't think the issue for all the fans is they're not seeing clean and solid football They're seeing three points in the second quarter, zero in the third. They're seeing games where nothing happens for 12 to 15 minutes a time. Nothing. Nothing good on defense, and the offense can't get in the end zone. Once that gets fixed and they're playing better football games, especially with the opponents they got coming up, they can put something together here. So I think there's a lot of pressure in the building to just finally say, we're done cleaning this stuff up. we got to have a big game, and it has to be at home on Monday night. I'm expecting to see that.
3: Yeah, or even look at it this way, JT. The Raiders had stopped the Chargers on third down in their first drive, and they, they had just limited them to a field goal, but enough sides by David Long denied that opportunity, kept the Chargers on the field, and they ended up scoring their first touchdown to take the lead to open the score in the first quarter. The defense, if you take that touchdown away, I mean, that game would have been completely different. So it's uh, just a big situation right now with discipline. Uh, The Jerry Tillery hit, I mean, Mm -hmm. look, you go with a similar play later, later in the game and Herbert stays in the field and gets some extra yards it's hard, man. It's hard now for defensive players. It's not flag football. So if the player's still on the field, you never know if he's going to end up going out or trying to go straight. So same thing when they slide, if they slide super late and you're already in their grill there, you know, they're going to protect them as much as possible. you look over at the other side, Asante Samuel slamming Hunter Renfro late, Mm. they got the flag player, got to stay on the field. He ended up getting the interception to win the game. So uh, I'll go with what Josh McDaniel said last year. Hey, We're the Raiders. We know the Seavers are going to blow a couple extra whistles against us, right?
1: Harry, last one, what to expect Monday night. Where's the optimism here, as you're going to be calling the game, as the Spanish voice for the Raiders? What do Raider fans need to look forward to, considering there's going to be a lot of Packer fans in town? It's their first time ever here. They're coming in. We knew that. What should Raider Nation be feeling about with this one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've— seen social media since last night. Uh, I did the drive back to Vegas, and once I got home, I, it was just flooded with stuff that I don't like seeing. But at the end of the day, everybody has the right to have their opinion. I'll be honest. I've liked a lot what I've seen from Josh Jacobs. Uh, even though he's been uh, limited to under 70 yards again on the ground, we saw some explosive plays. We saw some plays where he started to get those uh, zigs and zags and starting to create more space. So I think his confidence is elevating. And then one of the parts of his game that he wants to keep evolving is catching the ball. And yesterday he led the Raiders in reception yards. So it, he starts taking those steps forward. He had over 130 yards in production, adding reception yards and rushing yards. So I I think Josh Jacobs once he gets going this offense can open up way more with the rest of the game because if you don't establish the run game it's going to be hard to open the receiving game for the rest of the team.
1: Thank you Harry I'm happy you came back you're all good and we'll see you out at the stadium if not before.
3: Made it back in one
1: piece, JT. Thank you, man. Have a nice week. There you go. Harry Ruiz made the jive to L.A., called the game. That's big. You've seen the growth of Harry, heard the growth of Harry on this show and this seat and doing play-by-play. He's got a podcast now that we do in the building here. So very happy for the success of young Harry Ruiz as we continue on. 702-365-9200. So the biggest story in sports, I didn't get a chance to talk much about the Ryder Cup with this audience, but I was disgusted by the USA team and how they just folded in Europe and Rome at the Ryder Cup. Just an embarrassment how bad they were. Uh, college football, Dion lost again. Uh, it was close to USC. USC is a really good team, but they don't play defense. And Dion's lost two in a row. I wonder if it's going to get old now. Everybody kissing Dion's butt. Now they're going to have to talk about some of the losses for him. So USC dodged one. If they would have lost that game, no chance they make a playoff. If they couldn't beat that Colorado team, I don't want to hear about a playoff for USC. Caleb Williams, Heisman, he'll go back to back. And the Colts today, they're running back Jonathan Taylor, who I think is one of the best in the league. He will return to practice this week. The reason this is a big story is he's been on the trade block, you would think. They wanted to move him. He doesn't have a contract long term. He's been on the reserve pup list since week one. But that would have been a good player to trade. Other teams were interested, especially Miami and reportedly New England. And they didn't pull the trigger, and Indy's 2-2 two and two now. So I think this guy could have came back, Indy's 1-3, and three. Windy, Indy's struggling. Indy's tied for first place and getting Jonathan Taylor back. That's a positive for that team and that program. And the big move, Drew Holiday goes to the Celtics after that blockbuster deal that's saying Damian Lillard from Oakland, right, from Oakland via Portland where he played. Damian Lillard goes to Milwaukee to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo. As they moved out Drew Holiday, the Celtics put a deal together to bring him in. That's a big deal because the Celtics get an elite player. Oh, and I was texting with George Atkinson today. He had epic battles with one player, Lynn Swan, but Russ Francis, the tight end, the tight end who was mostly famous for playing in New England. Prayers to he and his family, former Pro Bowler tight end Russ Francis was killed in a plane crash outside Lake Placid, New York, Sunday. He was only 70 years old. He and another gentleman, a former commander of the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, rolled hard to the left after takeoff at Lake Placid Airport before crashing. What a sad story here. Francis was taken by the New England Patriots in the first round of the 75 draft. He made three Pro Bowls for the team. In 1982, Russ Francis moved to the 49ers, where he won a Super Bowl In the 84 season, he returned to the Patriots in 87 before concluding his career the following season. In all, he had 393 receptions, 5,262 yards and 40 touchdowns. He was a physical presence. The wars that he had with George Atkinson and Jack Tatum were legendary. And George has a heavy heart because he knew Russ well, along with a lot of other people in the building who have been football lifers. The New England Patriots put out the tweet. We are deeply saddened by the sudden and and tragic loss of former tight end Russ Francis. Our condolences are extended to Russ's family and friends. That is sad news as he died in a plane crash. 702-365-9200. Tequila Commissario, the award-winning. You got a tequila that beats George Clooney and Randy Gerbers. You got a tequila with more medals and platinums and gold than Casamigos, man. They're proud partners with us. The Maloof Brothers are partners also. We're excited about this new tequila that's taking over Las Vegas, all the major casinos. Go try it out at Bellagio at Wynn. Tequila Commissario, proud partner of the show. When we come back, Levi Edwards in the building. He's part of the digital team. He was at the press conference. He asked questions to the coach, and we'll talk to him coming up on the other side. Tough loss. Can't lose to the Chargers when you hold Justin Herbert from limited yards. How to win that one, now it becomes, I'll say it first, I think it's a must-win against Green Bay. I think the Raiders need a bounce-back game. Let's do it against the Packers.
0: Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza.
1: That's Steph McKenzie, the voice of our show. We always appreciate her. I think we need to get Steph on. Matter of fact, let's make sure, because she came on week one against our hated Broncos, and the Raiders ended up winning that game. JT, back with you. We want to thank all of our great friends at the 872 Laborers. They listen to the show. They tweet. They're working hard to build this city on time and on budget, and they're working hard, man, because F1... Everything that they're building in this town is on a timeline, and the 872 laborers make it happen. Levi Edwards joins me in studio, kind enough to walk over from his office here, part of the digital team. Levi, that was a tough one. I think fans didn't expect the team to get behind so early because they played really good with their back up against the wall late in the game. Give me the tale of two halves and what you saw.
4: Tale of two halves is the perfect way to describe it, JT. You have a team that... Play with a lot more urgency in the second half, as every team ever plays in the second half uh, when they're down. So I really think that the defense really was able to come together. The Trayvon Merrick interception in the second half was was crucial. First half, it just seemed that they they lacked urgency. Uh, things just weren't clicking. You know, you have a quarterback who's playing in his first NFL game ever in the regular season. So it just took time uh, for the rhythm to get going. Uh, I think Aiden O'Connell. There were some things that he didn't necessarily do great, but it was what you expect of a rookie quarterback playing in his first game. And mm-hmm. I think he really picked up his his stride in the second half, kind of got better timing. And his accuracy, even up leading into that last interception, his accuracy was not the problem. He was still on the yeah. money with his throws. He was finding guys open. Like I think his arm had nothing really to do with the, the issues at hand. I thought that he handled his throws really well.
1: I did, too. Uh, it's tough to not give him a bad grade because he was sacked six times by Mac. not all of it his fault, and he didn't handle the ball well when the pocket was collapsing. Does that get cleaned up again? I don't know. I mean, there are young quarterbacks. I remember Derek Carr being here for years, and the weakness of Derek was when the po- pocket collapsed. Ball security. We dealt with that here for a long time with Derek, and then Derek was going to pro Bowls. He was making great plays downfield, stepping up in the pocket, and I see kind of something similar with Aiden O'Connell, but I also love this poise and the way he acted on the sideline, engaged with the coaching and the team, coming on and off the field. I know those are little things, but he looked very poised. He looked older beyond his years.
4: For sure. He definitely looked very poised. And that's the whole thing with why you draft Aiden O'Connell is because you want a quarterback that's right. not going to get rattled in situations like that. Because it's a, rattling, it's, it's a very overwhelming day for him going into that last drive of the game you gotten sacked 7 times, 6 of them by a dude that used to play for this team. And then on top of that, you fumbled the ball twice, you've had turnovers like things are not necessarily going your way. But some way, somehow you still find a way to where you're on the goal line and you're about to tie the game. So he he picked it up. He did what he could to to you know get off the ground literally and metaphorically mm-hmm. and play some of his best football late in the game. And that's really all you can ask for especially from a guy who's literally playing in his first game.
1: Levi Edwards in studio here at Raiders HQ on the digital team check out all his great work. You wanted to jump in and talk about the secondary. You really studied that. And they shut out Justin Herbert. That's that's one of the premier quarterbacks in football, and they didn't score in the second half. What did you see on tape with the defense, particularly the secondary?
4: It was great complimentary football in, mm-hmm. in all facets of the of the defense where you had a defensive line who was getting pressure. I really love what Graham has done with the defensive line rotation, with getting people in fresh, and you see Tyree coming along, but the secondary they made some changes in the secondary as well, mm-hmm. some that they were forced to make because of injury, but also just things schematically. You saw David Long get a few more snaps than he usually does. You saw Tyler Hall get a few more snaps than he usually does. Amik got a few more snaps, and, and all those three guys that you haven't seen a, play a lot the first three games or at, at all, they both they all came in and played really well in very crucial times of the game. Trayvon Merrick, I thought he played very well with his interception, so you know, we talk about Herbert and, and what he can do, and and he definitely made his, his his fair share of plays, but they didn't make it easy on him, and I think the secondary was a huge reason behind that.
1: I agree. Great analysis there. I'm not overly impressed so far with Marcus Peters. There's a couple of plays I think I wish he would have ran harder to the ball. I don't want to go down that road with him because I want to make sure I'm right if he's not hustling at the level. I think he does hustle and play hard, but his tackling skills – Are not elite, and he's a ball hawk. So he's going to have to make some plays in the passing game, knocking down balls, interceptions, jumping routes, because the way he trails the football and part of the missed tackles, he's part of that group that's got to clean that up.
4: Well, that's definitely not even just Marcus Peters. That's a, a problem for the defense in general in terms of missing tackles, and you noticed it yesterday against the Chargers where there was a handful of times where sack, or sack should have happened, Herbert should have been brought down, and he was able to find a way to get out of the pocket. Or there was times where, you know, the throw would be made and there should be a tackle and the other, you know, the, his running backs or his receivers were able to get yards after catch because of missed tackles, things like that. So that's not just something on Marcus Peters, but that's more of an indictment on the entire defense. I would say that could be better. And as for, as for Peters, we know he's a ball hawk. The 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 unfortunate thing is he has two interceptions this year yeah. that he dropped, Right. and one of them is a pick six. So the 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 crazy thing is is you bring him in because Marcus Peters has proven to get turnovers, mm-hmm. and it just hasn't happened yet. So it's one of those things where you just gotta you just gotta be patient. I'm not sure how patient, but.
1: It's a very good point you made. He had two interceptions, and Merrick dropped an interception in the end zone, hit him right in the hands. With the cast on there, that that hit him in the hands. you got to catch that. And so there was one interception by Merrick. He dropped one, and then Peters dropped one. So if you look at that, that's got to change. I think most of that is bad luck. I think professional football players, when they have a drop, you just look at that. That's the difference between a physical mistake, which I can live with, compared to a mental mistake. And you're, you're right there. You're front and center at the press conference. And the only concern I'm really having at these press conferences is we continue to debate the cleanup of the penalties. And I know you're at practice. They're working on that. And these guys got to be getting lit up in meetings about some of these mental mistakes. And we're not seeing the improvement there. I'm surprised by that. I thought this would be a smarter football team. Even if they're not that talented, overly talented on defense, they play sharper and smarter.
4: Well, yesterday I will say I'm not trying to catch any fines, JT, so you know, yeah. anybody listening to this. I got gotcha. you. I'm not trying sure to call anyone out. A, a few calls uh, were a bit questionable yesterday, but the calls that weren't questionable yesterday, that that just you can't have certain things happen True. with with offsides or false starts, and I know crowd noise gets into, you know, affecting things, but definitely you would think, especially for Josh McDaniels, you would have a little bit of a smarter football team because that's something that he does preach as much as he does. So it's one of those things where it happens a couple of times, you know, shame on you, but yeah. the, the they cannot let this be a pattern. You know, and that's the problem is it's starting to develop into a pattern, and uh, that's something that they have to clean up.
1: All right, let's talk about the schedule before you roll. Uh, This, to me, was I'm not out on a limb here. I'm not trying to come up with something desperate. I said this when the schedule came out. When the schedule came out, I said, Raiders are going to come off the Charger game 2-2. and I got that wrong. And an opportunity to win three games in a row. So you and I work for the team. We're in the building. We're supposed to take it one day at a time. Okay, I'm doing a radio show. I got to have some optimism here. So if the Raiders beat Green Bay... At home, it'll be a short week. It's New England. New England's really being tested, and Belichick's team doesn't have a lot of great players. I don't think they have better a better roster than the Raiders. Let me say that. I think the Raiders' roster, even though they're not playing better, is better than Green Bay's and New England and the Bears. Is that accurate?
4: On paper, yes. yes Games okay. aren't played on paper. I think when I when I think of those those teams, um, let's just think about this game up next. Okay. Green Bay, because that's the team we play next. Green Bay on paper does not have the names and the star power Mm. of the Raiders. But the problem is, is when I watch Packer games and, you know, despite their record, I see a level of effort that they play with Mm. and a level of drive that they play with that the Raiders also need to play with as well. You can't walk into games and think, okay, we have Devontae Adams, we have Josh Jacobs, we have Garoppolo, we're going to win all these games, Crosby's going crazy. You can't come into games like that just because – the packers have a less of a star-studded roster. They've played with effort. They played with passion. They've stayed in their games. So, it's going to be a tight fight for the Raiders. And if they don't come play and they're they're ready and they're disciplined, then they're not going to win this game either despite whoever they have
1: compared to who the packers have. You nailed the regular point that everybody who's been around the league says, you're not promised a victory. You're not. You have to go earn the victory. I don't see a problem yet still with the Raiders effort. I I mentioned Peters. I'm a body language guy. Look at some of the body language. Aiden O'Connell's body language was fantastic. He had a rough day, and he wasn't moping. I love that. But now I'm done with all these topics. You're not going to hear much from me anymore. Go win the game. Forget about body language, your motivation. How do you feel? Do your parents have tickets? Are you going? You're home. You've been on the road. Enough. Got to win these games, Levi. These are really critical games that can save the season. Save it for a Super Bowl run? Probably not. But save the season so games in November count. Games in December count. These games have to be won or the games in November and December, the whole country's going to be talking about draft picks. And I don't think they're there yet. I think they have the ability to fight, fight hard over the next couple of weeks and pivot and turn the season
4: around. And you were talking about that schedule. After the Jets, there's no favors on that schedule. You no. have to win these games now. You got to win these games in October. You got to win these games That's in early November because then once, you know those games in November, once they start to count, they don't get easier. You got the Chiefs again. You got the Chargers again. You got Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. You got some pretty damn good teams to end the schedule out. So you got Miami. They put 70 up on someone last week. It does not get easier for the Raiders late in the season. So you have to win these games now if you want to even actually have a, a fighting chance or any sort of momentum to go late into the season and try to make a push.
1: Well, the best-case scenario, and someone record this because I'm going to get blasted for saying this, but I, don't, I could care less. I got guys ripping on my tweets about showing new hats in the gift shop.
4: <laughs> I, I mean, I
1: got some angry trolls out there, man. Put up a picture of a new hat that's in there and everybody wants to attack. Like, you need security outside. But I will tell you the winnable games. Because they're all winnable. There's an NFL team. We're inside their building. They're all winnable. Okay, you got the Packers at home win. Patriots at home win. On the road at the Bears win. At the Lions. You want to crown the Lions?
4: They're sleepers.
1: Uh, They're sleepers, okay? Giants at home, Jets at home. Come on. Giants at home, Jets at home. If we're sitting in a conversation saying, are we better than the Giants or the Jets? At the Dolphins, really tough game. That's the weekend here of F1. Chiefs at home, then the bye week. Oh, my God. How late is that bye week?
4: 13. Week 13. I've never seen a bye week since I've been here that late.
1: The Vikings could be long out of this, gone by the time they get here. The Chargers are at home. At the Colts is winnable. And the Broncos at home is a winnable game. With the Giants, the Jets, the Broncos, the Packers, the Patriots, and the Bears. I just picked six games right there. But I feel like they gotta win them all, and I know they're not gonna win them all. But I feel like these these games, something's gotta break, Levi.
4: And that's the thing with uh, with good NFL teams versus great NFL teams is the great NFL teams win the games they aren't supposed to win as Thank well. Thank you. And so you can, you, you're a good NFL team or you're a decent NFL team if you win all the games you're supposed to because you're better than the team. But if you want to make it to the playoffs, if you want to make a push, you gotta, you mm-hmm. got to beat some people that are better than you sometimes. So we're going to see if the Raiders have that ability to do that.
1: Absolutely. What are you working on this week? What type of content?
4: We've got some good stuff coming mm-hmm. out. Uh, Shout-out to our another Raider Nation uh, radio host, Harry Ruiz. Mm-hmm. I'm working on a feature for him for uh, Hispanic uh, Heritage Month. And Harry is a, a great guy. Uh, Love him to death. So I can't wait for this feature to come out on him. Also, working on the weekly content versus Mm. three key matchups against the the Packers. Uh, Hint there's going to be a Devontae Adams story. (laughs) All right. Okay. Yeah, there's going to be a Devontae Adams story. You're playing the Packers. Yeah, you better believe it. Has to be at least one Devontae story. So, you know.
1: That's good content. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming in studio.
4: Appreciate you for having me.
1: You got it. That's Levi Edwards, everybody. A valuable part of our insider network. And what he's going to have with the matchups coming up this week, very important. And look for some Devontae content. This is a big week for Devontae, too. Worst case scenario would have been Devontae not getting up from the field when he came off with the shoulder. And him not coming back and finding out after the game an MRI today for Devontae. Then getting an MRI result that he can't play That would have been crushing. He came out of the tunnel to be with his teammates and fight to win that game and had a critical fourth down catch. So statistically, and I know Devontae cares a lot more about winning than stats, statistically, Devontae's off to a good start again, a typical Devontae year. Can Devontae find a way to take it over the top against the Green Bay Packers? I would assume that that will be his big game, motivational game of the year. Devontae Adams going up against the Green Bay Packers. That is worth the price of addition, uh, of of admission. Thanks to Levi. Just left the studio. Appreciate Harry Ruiz and Sam Munson. Uh, Monday is my long day. I do Raider Nation. In the morning, we do the press conference show, this show, and then I run right to Mad Dog. Mad Dog Sports Radio, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 Eastern. A full recap of that. I'll have Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox, Steve Weiss from NFL Network, and we'll hear that Sam Munson interview that's why we get them on, so we could have it for our night show, too. Thanks to everybody who put the show together. Danny, great job. Alexandra here back at the studio. And all you fans out there that listen and stream the show. Thank God you stream the show, man. We got people all over. We're looking at these digital numbers. Wow. Let's keep them going. Thanks to everyone who listens all around the globe, especially in North America on that mobile app. The Raider Nation is everywhere. Q, who was at the press conference, and sure had a great weekend, other than the Raiders lost. He's coming up with great shows and great content all week. Raiders roundtable tomorrow, the coach on Thursday. Everybody have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening.